Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And this is Cinema Super Collider, where we're smashing up cinema one movie at a time. Greetings, my friends. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact about cinema, episode of Cinema Super Collider, we are going to be looking at the 1985 space vampire movie Life Force. That's right. This is yet another one of Canon Films' collection uh, with a Golan Globus at the producing helm. And this was one of their most expensive movies that they ever made in the history of their churning out of many movies. Yeah, this movie has everything in it. And yet nothing. (laughs) And yet nothing. I have a question for you. uh, This has been sort of rolling around in my head uh, early this morning, but we recorded. Is this a good, bad movie or is this a bad, good movie? And does that make any sense? I think you know what I'm saying. It does. It does make sense. Because a good, bad movie is a movie that just, it's enjoyable to watch, but it is plagued by ineptitude and uh, just a lack of resources. This movie, I don't think I would call it a bad, good movie, because I don't know that it's really that good of a movie. It's, it's just, just a bad, bad movie. Well, it, this is a movie that had all of the resources available to it, including many talented performers. And, uh, I mean, Toby Hooper made this movie. He was the director of this movie. This was his first of a trio of movies he did for the Canon Films Group, including Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and there's another sci-fi one, which I am forgetting the name of. So you've got a competent director. He's made movies that are what are considered to be horror classics. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the the most influential slasher films of the horror genre. And yet he made Life Force, which is a movie that doesn't contain a lot of anything. Yeah, well, it's... <sighs> To be fair, though, his original director's cut included 15 additional minutes, and those 15 additional minutes were mostly on the spaceship versus the Earth. That, I think, would have helped, but the movie is already over two hours long, which is kind of a problem. This, I think this movie would have worked as like an HBO miniseries or something, like a six-episode series, because there's so many things happening and there's so many details of what's going on. And it comes at you so fast, it's just sort of, like, confusing. Yeah. By the time you're halfway through the movie, you're like, you know, my brain is sort of checked out. I've seen this movie three times now. <laughs> we should right. we should mention, the first time that we were exposed to Life Force was at, like, 2 or 3 in the morning during a bee fest. I think maybe the first one I took Eric to. It might have been even, like, the 4 o'clock slot or something It was like in that. the middle of the night. It was in I, the middle of the night. The only thing I remember from that viewing is that I sort of kind of regained consciousness to see about two minutes of Patrick Stewart screaming, and then I immediately passed back out again. Oh, you didn't see The Kiss. I didn't. No, the first time I did not see The yes. Kiss. This, so this movie has high, some highlights in it. It's Patrick Stewart and Steve Railsback kissing. 
and it's, is one of the highlights. It's Patrick Stewart's first on-camera kiss of his whole career, which I find delightful. That is really funny. Because he had been doing a lot of stuff, at least on the BBC prior well, I remember to him that. from I, Claudius. He, yeah, he's an I, Claudius. He, he murders people in there, but he doesn't kiss anybody. No, there, there's not a lot of kissing in I, Claudius, if I remember correctly. No, I don't think there is. No, it's just mostly just Livia being an evil bitch. Oh, that's what's so great about that sh- well, there's many. There, if you've never seen the I, Claudius miniseries, uh, it's it's wonderful. And every single British actor of note from that period of time is in it, um, including, uh, well, obviously Patrick Stewart. And then uh, who's, who's Caligula? I always forget. Oh, uh, John Hurt. John Hurt is in it. Uh, it. It's just, it's a who's who of British British character actors. It's oh, my delightful. God, yeah. Yeah, the guy that was in uh, Flash Gordon, the guy with the beard. Uh, I can't remember that actor's name. He has a deep voice and he talks like this. <laughs> yeah. I, he was in that too. Um, anyhow, I think this movie has got essentially like, it's a, I think it's a three act movie, but I think that there's kind of like a, the prologue act. So it might be like a, an actually like a four act sort of thing. I, so, okay. So we should first just do a bit of an elevator pitch of what happens in the movie. This oh, movie. Yeah, you is, should do this one. Yeah. This movie starts with a group of, uh, a group of astronauts exploring the tale of Halley's Comet. In the original source material, it was an, an asteroid belt, but they changed it because Halley's Comet was about to make its sort of pass by Earth. How many years does it take to, to pass Earth? Is like 89 or 107 yeah, like, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, 79, 82, something. I don't know. Long it's, 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 possible. It's, a, it's a lifespan of somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's possible if you were very, very young when it first passed by Earth and then very, very old when it passed by Earth the second time during your lifetime to see it twice. But most people, that's not the case. So they're they're exploring the tale because they've found some rings, you know, as you do in space movies, and they discover a alien spacecraft, which they immediately decide to go explore. When they explore, they find three naked people in glass cases and a bunch of desiccated bat aliens. And they're like, hey, we didn't learn anything from, uh, you know, Ridley Scott's aliens movies. Let's bring all this shit on board. So they do. And then... We cut to Earth, and there's shenanigans going on because the spaceship that did the exploration essentially burned up on the inside and is now floating derelict around the Earth, and the escape pod is missing. Dun-dun-dun. So they are trying to decide what happened on the spaceship. Why did everybody die? Why did it burn up? And this takes up most of the first act of the movie until they are notified and this is all taking place in london i should add this is all this is all a british thing they find out that the the escape pod actually had a live crew member in it so they bring him on and the live crew member is played by steve railsback who infamously was in the helter skelter movie as charles manson along with a, no, a, a number of other things but i think most people remember him from that i remember him uh well from the stunt man which oh yeah, a really which good movie with Peter O'Toole in it. Yeah, that is a really good movie. Um, I I've seen that, and it is it is a enjunct. Uh, anyhow. Yeah. So now I think the first part of this movie is really kind of the strongest part of the movie for me. It reminds me very much of a futuristic take on the beginning part of Dracula, the Bram Stoker's Dracula. Right. Right. And we should mention that this entire film the source material was a novella or a book called the space vampire 
and uh, it's pretty it's pretty on the nose. The, the three people that they find naked in cases are in fact space vampires. One of whom is played by an 18 year old uh, actress named Matilda May in her her I think international debut. I think she had made a couple of French films. Yeah, she it is, said introducing Matilda May. Right. She's she's a French actress. They tried to cast a English-speaking actress for this role, but literally everyone declined to do it because the role essentially is an entirely nude role. I think she wears a very sort of like flowing diaphanous robe for one scene, but the rest of it is just tits out naked chick walking around space agencies. Right, right. It's it's interesting when the crew first goes to the derelict spaceship, right? It's sort of like, uh, imagine Steve Railsback as Jonathan Harker, okay? And imagine that the derelict spaceship is Dracula's castle, okay? The derelict spaceship is very, very obviously uh, in homage, or maybe you could say ripped off from uh, the H.R. Giger designs for uh, Alien, right? <laughs> I guess it has a very weird biological look to it. And it has, it seems like they're trying to show off all of this interior work. And so it's, it's lit in a very sort of flat, like TV kind of way so that they can show off all of this stuff. And I think it would have worked better if it had just been darker and maybe smoky or hazy in there or something. Mm. But it looks kind of, eh, it looks kind of fakey. According to the internet, this design of this spaceship was supposed to look like an artichoke which I'm not 100% sure that I see. And then... Nah, I don't get that either. The the interiors where they're sort of exploring and looking around, uh, the actors are using harnesses that were from another uh, series of Golden Globus movies, I believe ended with Superman 4 sequel, original trilogy. Yeah, there are a few... Okay, look, this is one of the things that I really, really love about the movie. In like the first 10 seconds of the movie... It comes up, they're on this They're on this spaceship exploring space, and they say, oh, we've got the new something drive, which creates continuous acceleration in the spaceship from the bottom to simulate gravity. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so happy. That'd be like the greatest way to stim- simulate gravity in an environment like that. It's, it's true. It would work fine if you were constantly accelerating in a certain direction so that the floors were the floors and... I mean, it would be it would require a lot of fancy moving around, but they go out of their way to say that, you know, most every movie that takes place in space, they just have some form of artificial gravity because you can't have people floating around all the time. But there are times when they have to turn the special drive off and they do float around. Yes. So it's like somebody took a lot of care to make this kind of scientific. I mean, why? I don't my, know, because nothing else is in any way scientific. My take on this is actually that it's not so much that scientific. It's that they wanted to show off that they had, like, movie tech that they could do zero gravity in. And the zero gravity is not that great, but it is in the movie. Yeah, so the first part is is kind of cool. They go into this derelict spaceship, and there's a bunch of dead bats giant bats floating around and they break off a finger it's like oh this is desiccated it's been dead along and so it's like oh this was what happened to the crew this reminds me of beginning of alien when they go onto the alien spacecraft and they find that dead guy the space jockey you know in this in this weird chair with these bones it's like they find this kind of mysterious creature then they go into this large chamber full of like pods which is sort of like alien when they go into that large chamber full of alien eggs. But these are like glass coffins. 
It looks a little bit like the crystals from uh, the Superman, the motion picture. Yeah, there's a number of things when, when this movie starts where you're like, oh, man, it's just like Alien. Oh, man, it's just kind of like The Thing. Oh, oh, it's also very much like The Thing. Yeah. Oh. That's the second part of the movie. It's very thing-like. Very thing-like. Yeah. But, but like you were reminded of movies that came before this one that were better executed. And that's always a bad thing if you're a movie because... Because you don't want to remind people of better source material, right? Because yeah. it's like, oh, it's like Aliens. Remember Aliens? Aliens was really good. Right. So you see all these dead bats floating around in space, and they go to this weird central room where there's these three glass coffins, and one contains a very naked Matilda May, and the other two contain twinks, naked twinks. They're, but they're you naked. can't see their penises because that was one step too far. Well, they just wanted to... So one of the things that they were constantly having to work against in, in the creation of this film and editing of this film is there's a lot of nudity in it because Matilda May is completely naked and then the two male space vampires are mostly naked. But not. we don't want to see anybody's junk. So they had, uh, they had flesh-colored socks over their genitals, just in case something happened. Just in case something happened. But there is a long sequence in this film where Matilda May just walks around naked in, like, the British Space Agency. And they were constantly having to add shadows and additional, like, effects to, this, to the, the film because... If they didn't, she would be way too naked. You would see way too much of her genitalias and such. And the movie would have gone from an R rating to an X rating because there was no such thing as NC-17 back A. Well, and one of the things I think that really from the very beginning starts to sink this movie is the concept is that she's some sort of a sexual vampire. She's some sort of a succubus or some sort of lamia, lamia type creature and she over she has the eerie power to cloud men's minds yes. just she's like so overwhelmingly sexually desirable and you know she's she's a, a, a actress with a very nice body and she does go through the whole thing totally naked but she's more spooky than she is desirable she doesn't behave in an overtly sort of sexually you know seductive way she's just sort of like a, like a spooky naked chick yeah, well, you know, it's like so, it's like someone you wouldn't like if you saw someone walking around the way she was walking around naked, you wouldn't go up to her and try and and do something with her. You would run and find a robe and put you know find her a coat or something and put it around her. Very nameless, and also the actress is very young. She's eighteen when this filmed. Boy, she looks like a grown lady to me. She she is a very well developed woman for uh, eighteen, I guess. Especially I mean, for eighteen, I don't know. Though there there are a few scenes of her like kissing people and I'm like, oh, yeah, she's 18 because she's very awkwardly kissing people. And it's like, it's sweetie, don't eat his face. OK, yeah. or, or eat his face. You go for it. But that's, right. that's... so they bring these three coffins, right? Because actually this, the door on the spaceship on the uh, like the shuttle spaceship that they are on is a coffin shaped door that go through. So there's like all of this like imagery in there and they bring these three glass coffins aboard the ship. And now it's sort of like the second part of uh, Dracula, right? Where uh, Dracula is, his coffin is on a ship. And we read the captain's log of what happened, the ship and, and how everything happened when, when Dracula was moving from Transylvania to England. So this is this part of the movie. But we don't see this part. This is a part that was probably left on the cutting room floor. This All the, the details part... of what happened in the ship. We get it in flashback later. We'll talk about it. But Right. They So they, they filmed more. And then they had to readjust the way that the film went. And so they used it in flashbacks primarily instead of showing 
in showing instead of telling. Yeah, it, because it, it's it's sort of like reading the captain's log later mm-hmm. on in Dracula. You don't you're not there while it's happening. You're reading the account of it later on. And it's always a strong storytelling technique to tell and not show. Yeah. Yeah, especially in a visual format like a movie. But hey, whatever. You know what we need a lot of? We need a lot of scenes of men, white men, old white men, sitting around desks and tables talking about things that are happening rather than showing us the things that are happening. Oh, we well, if you want that, if we you, got a lot if, of that If coming. you would like, yes, if you'd like oh, to- white, old white men talking about space. And another thing about this film that kind of sinks it. They just keep introducing new characters. So many new Every, characters. Every like 15 minutes, there's some new character that comes on the scene. And they're defined by their role within the movie. There's no, there's no real character to them. They're just there to do their job, which so is fine it's in fine. a movie like this, especially when there's so many characters. But what the middle section of the movie becomes is so disorienting and so uh, hard to follow it's very confusing yeah and then the last section of the movie is like a disaster movie it's like london is burning there's a vampire plague and there's like a blue laser into the sky that has to be stopped sort of thing so we go from like a spooky dracula thing space vampire thing to well (laughs) i can only describe as the vampires don't like bite their neck and drink their right no the vampires suck out their life force right which is the title of the movie Mm -hmm. life force and what happens to you originally it was going to be the space vampires but golan globus was like yeah we want to be taken seriously with this one because we're throwing so much money at it so come up with a different the thing is is if they had kept it at space vampires and not thrown in all of this other stuff i think this could have worked if you had stuck to more of a dracula outline and I, I think it's trying to stick to that during the second act. But, I mean, we're not even done with the first part yet because they bring her aboard the ship and then, like, it goes black and it says, like, 30 days later. And now we're down at Mission Control in England. This is where we will stay for the rest of the movie, pretty much. Yes. Down at Mission Control in England and they're like, well, we haven't heard from the thing, but uh, uh, for 30 days, it's, it's been quiet. We, You know, it was in the tail of the comet we couldn't hear because of the, the comet tail was space interference yes causing space interference which makes a kind of scientific sense there's all that ionized tail stuff so in the the thing comes out and they're trying to contact it and there's no answer there's no answer so they launch their own space shuttle right and then go and dock it up with this other the the ship that steve railsback was on which also looks like a space shuttle and they go in there and they find that it's been burned completely burned and all the crew is just burned burned they're all just like charred Frenchy. fragments of of humans in there it's like a total charnel house the the tapes the flight deck tapes they're erased yeah they're erased we find <laughs> find that out later there's so much information in this movie and it gets so confusing but you, you see all of the the three space vampires are in their crystal cases and they're still intact and so Mission Control <laughs> brings them back because we've never we we've never had a scenario like this like this Trojan horse situation where it's like oh the war has been so horrible but look at this beautifully made horse on wheels like let's bring it into the city uh, we've never seen this before in any sci-fi movies where it's like oh look we we found an alien egg that sucked to our friend's face let's just bring that aboard that seems fine that seems okay yeah uh, there's Norwegians shooting at a dog screaming about uh, if we just understood their language don't touch that thing and yet we're like dogs are nice we'll bring it into our our space center or our uh, our research center sorry yeah 
So they bring back to Earth Dracula in the form of Matilda May and Dracula's two wives in the form of the twink. Two, right? two young naked men, yes. Yes, no skinny young naked guys. And uh, the first thing that happens is that some guard in the station goes close to Matilda May and she attacks him. She wakes up and sucks the life force out of him. And what we are left with is the a... The title of the movie. Is a mummy. Basically, right? yes. And in fact... And there's a lot of mummy action early on in this movie. And there's, it's kind of cool effect. It's, it's a little cheesy, but it was pretty cool, right? And these these sort of mummy desiccated human props that they're using, they did end up using in the actual 1999 film, The Mummy, as mummy props. So They look like mummies. So you've got space vampires that turn people into mummies. But the people who are mummies are dead because they suck the life force out of them. But you would think. two hours later, they wake up. Somehow. the mummies become space vampires who can suck the life force out of somebody else and then go back to their ordinary shape the way they were. So the guard, you know, he attacks another guy and then the guard comes back to life in his own guard form, but he's insane. And then two hours after that, he, he explodes. explodes. Yeah. Well, first of all, they poke him with a science pole, the first one, and well, then yes. he turns into dust. But the rest of them explode after two hours. Look, people, if you are working with space vampires, um, reconstituted mummies, you know, like, you know, when you have those dried mushrooms and you put them in a bowl of water and then they plump up, that's basically exactly what you got. exactly right, yes. Uh, or any sort of uh, item which might cause space madness, you need a science pole. What is a science pole? It is a 10-foot or 11-foot pole out of whatever material you would like it to be that you poke at the the afflicted individual. You don't want to use anything, you know, shorter than that because they might explode, as this movie teaches you. Yeah. Now, so we've got some main characters here. We've got the main guy is a guy named Clark who's from the SAS. He's like the detective. Kane. Kane, okay, from the so SAS. There's, there's two main characters. They both have names that start with C. So There's Kane and Carlson. Kane Carlson is, and uh, Carlson. is uh, Steve, uh, Steve Rails Steve back. Rails back. And Kane is Peter Firth. Who's Peter Firth? Well, he was in a bunch of stuff, but... Uh, I remember him from being in... Is he like in uh, Theater of Blood or no. uh, uh, Dr. Fives or something like... He seems no. like one of those movies. He's in none of those yeah. things. No. He was in The Hunt for Red October as the Russian bad guy. Oh. He also was in the movie version of Equus as the young man with the... Um, Oh, also very Un- naked. Unhealthy uh, attraction to horses and maybe murdered some horses. Well, he blinds them. Well, you know, yeah. Yeah. It blinds them, maims them, right. whatever's. Well, that it's, whole thing is just, uh, that whole story is just uh, a therapy session, which yes, is kind of interesting. It is. Yeah. It's it's based on a stage play of oh, the yeah. same name. Uh, highly recommend. In fact, one of my favorite tidbits about uh, uh, Harry Potter connected actors is that one of uh, Daniel Radcliffe's first serious acting roles was in a revival of Equus, where he played the young man who, you know, stabs horses in the eyes. Yeah. Oh, and he's fully naked. You'd be naked when you're in it, because that's an important part of it. You're a wizard, Harry, and you're <laughs> naked. <laughs> you're a thumping gooden. All right. So now, okay, so now we kind of have this whole thing set up. So the vampires turn you into a mummy. The mummies have, linum- have the ability to turn... You turn other people into mummies via their vampiric touch. Right, but they have to suck out, they also have to suck out life force. Yeah. 
And and so all of this is happening, and in the confusion, uh, Matilda May gets up and and leaves. She she sucked enough energy out of that guy that she can leave, and she explodes these windows in this uh, science lab building mm-hmm. and walks out into the dark of the night, perfectly naked, completely uh, naked on on pieces of broken glass, mm-hmm. and. That's okay. So that's kind of the first part of the movie. Is Act over. one yeah, done. Right. Space vampires on the loose. Space vampires on the loose. So, so act- then then we get Steve uh, Railsback comes in. Right? He does. Carlson shows up. It's like oh we noticed a missing escape pod, and then oh the escape pod just landed in Texas, and then five minutes later he's in London when you know, in full uniform. In full uniform. Yes. Right? They're it's, like okay here you go. Uh, it's are fine. you are you okay? We don't care. Here just go to London. It's the least ridiculous part of the whole movie, but right. yeah, you know, it's just one, one of those things. Well, and this sets up sort of the working relationship between Carlson, played by Steve Railsback, and Kane, played by Peter Firth. Because Kane is like this no nonsense M you know, MI five SAS yeah, guy. He's an SAS guy, but he's, he's, he, yeah, yeah, no nobody can talk about it. No pictures, no 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 writing that in the press. I'm here, I'm secret. I know things. And then Carlson is he's basically He's he's basically a, an infinitely usable uh, a, psychic resource. Psychic resource he's because kinda, he, he's a little like Bella in uh Twilight. Oh yeah, he's not as beautiful as Bella. Well, was. no, of course not, and he's not a sparkly vampire. Like, oh no, I mean, but Matilda May would have been a fucking fabulous sparkly vampire, especially completely naked. Like, she would have blinded everyone. She looks great naked. I was just saying, she, she looks does. like a Playboy model. I mean, but she wasn't. She was no. not a Playboy model. No, but she, she was sent just, her full material. For she sure. was just a naked woman who used to be. They call her girl all space the time. Girl. They call space her space girl. girl. Or she the doesn't. Girl. She's either space girl or female alien. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But but in the credits, she is credited as Space Girl. They don't give her a name. She doesn't have a name. You would think that a like like super evil, long lived space vampire would have like a cool name like Lestat or something like that. But mm-hmm. no, no, no. Anne Rice didn't write this. Somebody else did. So she's just Space Girl. So Space Girl walks out. Steve Railsback shows up and says, "Oh, you know, uh, 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 I had what- to blow up the ship because it was overtaken by vampires. I was able to avoid it for." Uh, for four weeks until I couldn't take it anymore. Then I blew it up and I escaped and everything, you know, was just gone with that. And I do enjoy that all of these very important, very serious space doctors and uh, scientists people are like, oh, yes, yes, yes. No, we believe you 100%. Everything that you're saying is completely truthful. We get it because we have no information to, to go on. We're just going to have to take your first person account of all of these details, you know, for for face value yeah i mean to their credit they did see uh, they, a dude blow up so they saw a dude blew, blow up they saw a naked lady blow explode windows and and i mean their shit is just going completely crazy. true they've got mummies they got vampires they got explosions they've got you know murder mayhem everywhere mm-hmm. okay so next part of the movie uh vamps on the loose vamps on the loose. because not That's only right. does matilda may escape the the space compound research building but the two other vampires you're, you're led to believe that they don't because they're shot many many times and they say something about like oh well, we have their re- remains and they are somehow able to re- even though they're in remains form they are able to reconstitute themselves right some, but, somehow but they get away that happens well. off screen that get, they, we're not doing that part right you know what we showed you enough science we've talked about science we showed you a little bit of space we're not going to show we're just going to tell you 
from now on. Yeah. Well, now, now Does she's... Does that sound exciting? No. So, somehow she's changed bodies now, and of she's course. a ginger nurse, right? Who lives in a dorm. Yes. In a, in a, in a mental hospital run by Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now this is... If you, this is whiplash, is what you call it, right? It's like, wait, what happened to our movie about space vampires? No, 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 you don't need to know that. Steve Railsback has mind abilities so that he can track Matilda May, space vampire, throughout the English countryside. Sometimes How? it's through hypnosis. Maybe they hypnotize him once, right? Sure. And then sometimes he can touch somebody and can tell. Yes, you know, through like physical touch, and then sometimes he can just get really near someone and start yelling, and yes. then. He will get information, but he is he's there to provide crucial information every time that they run out of he is the, any explanation for what the fuck is going on. He's he like, psych- ah, I know what's happening. I know. It's like it's like when you were a little kid and you would play like let's pretend whatever, like cops and robbers or whatnot, and you'd get to some impossible logic situation and everybody would kind of just stare at each other about like well, how, what happens next. And then that one kid is like, Oh, but we have guns that can uh, uh, shoot through space and time. And you're like, yes, of course. And then you continue playing because it's pretend. So right. that's that's basically how this comes up. It's like, it's like, well, uh, we've we've ridden ourselves into a corner. And then Steve Railsback is like, she's moved on to another person over here. Let's I all got, go. I can see it happening in the in my mind, in my mind. as though I was a camera. You know. With changing perspectives within this area, watching a movie of it, and I can give you the number of the car, and it's a white Volvo with yes. license plates such and such, and so they can find this this guy, and he represents this woman, and the guy's like, oh yeah, she works at the spooky mental hospital. Let's go there. So they do. So they go to the spooky mental hospital. This is all in Act Two. Mm-hmm. So now we're into fully into the thing. Yes. Because what's, who who yeah. is she? Where is the space vampire? Where is the space? Va- the space vampire is all of us. It could be any one of us. I know. They don't really drive that point home. They kind of gloss over it because they got so much more story to tell. Right. But Steve rails back. Uh, well, we'll call him uh, Carlson. Carlson. That's and, his name. And uh, what's the other guy's name? Kane. Carlson and Kane. Carlson and Kane. And then there's some new guy there who's like also, also from the the Air Force or something. He's like, oh, by the way, his name uh, is Sir something or other. Sir something or oh, Sir. and there's also the the death expert guy. No, that's the doc- fan- that's the, yes, that's Doctor something or other. Doctor Thanatologist. I'm a Thanologist. Mm-hmm. I studied death, death and life after death. Is it possible? Yes. Yeah. It sounds very much like a Marvel villain, honestly. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm. Tra- I, so, so I'm trying the, to make sense of this. You, here's the thing, Eric. Don't don't try to make sense I of it. I think it does make sense, though. It's I, fine. I think it's, it does. But you, I don't think you have to try that hard. Just basically, they set up an ambush because they they check out. Well, by they, they, they I mean Carlson and Kane go to the nurse's apartment, and she's got a David Bowie poster on the wall. She's and she's dressed very sassily, like a silk robe. Yeah, she's got like this this beautiful uh, ginger curly hair. She yes. looks like. Uh, she's very pretty. Yeah, she's like brave, you know, the, the, oh, the uh, Disney princess sure. brave, right? Sure. But uh, so they get in there and Carlson's interrogation technique is basically just to rough her up. And yeah, she's like, she's like, a masochist. I must hurt her. And Kane's like, uh, tell you what, I'm going to sit on this couch and I'm going to watch the two of you go at it. Have at it, right? Because I am a natural voyeur. That's what the character actually says. I'm mm. a natural voyeur. Go for it. So as Carlson is beating the shit out of this woman and shaking her within an inch of her life, Kane's just kind of like hanging out on the couch. Like, 
Having a little. Hey, Carlson is like, I, she's gone, but 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 but, her, but this woman knows where she but, went. But I must continue to harry this woman because somehow the, because the, she because every time you come in contact with one of these space vampires, and this is what I'm thinking mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. is key that they take some of your life and they give some of their life back to no, you. No, no, no. That is not what happens. That is not how that works. Oh. The only person that that works for is Carlson. Oh, okay. And they make a big point of saying that when these space vampires interact with a new life form, a new species, Mm. they find one sample person so that they can learn the language, they can learn how they work, they can learn about the physiology, they can learn all those things, which is why Carlson and... Uh, space girl have a connection because she gave some of her life force to him when she took some of his life force to learn he said the attraction was overwhelmingly sexual well all of the men say that though (laughs) he says it was sexual but it was terrible well fearful terrifying i don't know that the other men in the film would agree like literally every time a man comes into contact with matilda may like he has instantaneous like perma boner and is just so into her that like his entire brain just shuts off. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's goofy. I mean, it, there's a there's a sequence where she's just walking through a hall and three security guards see her and they're like, oh look, there's a naked chick, and then they like look upon her and they're immediately like, I must. I think the choice of having the naked chick works against this movie in that. Like I said before, she comes across as kind of spooky. If she had just been wearing some like sexy space outfit or like some sort of bandages like uh, multi-pass Lilu was was wearing it would have been better because she could have come across as being really sexy and really alluring you know like a, the siren you know that pulls men in rather than like some sort of like head case who's walking around you know in in a in a daze with a you know her tits hanging out so <sighs> It was a, it, it was an interesting choice for it. this this movie came out as a summer blockbuster movie uh. and it it just doesn't follow the summer blockbuster format especially by 1985 we had already established like what a summer blockbuster was right it needed to have big set pieces it needed to have action it needed to have you know monsters or or thrill rides or whatever this was not it. This was a very slow-paced movie with a lot of nudity and not a lot of action in it. These were also the early days of uh, the VHS tape or the home video market where films like Alien were critically panned and did okay at the box office or things like John Carpenter's The, the thing. thing, which was critically panned, terribly panned by people saying it was nothing but garbage and also didn't do well at the box office had second life now uh, in people's homes. And so it made kind of a sense to want to rip those movies off. Maybe a few years earlier, you'd have wanted to because they were huge failures, money failures. But these guys were serious, and they wanted to rip off everything out of everything. every movie that they could. Everything. You it, use the, look, You if you find a dead buffalo at the side of the road, you still use from nose to tail, you know, even though it might be a little gross. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you, you really should. But so, so uh, uh, Carlson uh, beats up uh, the, the redheaded woman. nurse. Yes, the ginger nurse, and he gets the inform. I guess I guess uh, Space Girl leaves some sort of psychic footprint in her mind or some kind of thing. We but don't he's know. Like, it's I not know. Explained. I know where she is. She's in a a fat guy with a birthmark on his face. And Patrick Stewart goes, "Oh yes, I understand. That's should- our patient in the." 
in solitary. We and shouldn't I, go down there. I don't think we've actually mentioned this, but Patrick Stewart is playing the head of the psychiatric facility. That's why he's with them. That's why he was able to take her to take the the trio of them to the nurse's apartment. Dorm, yeah, yeah. Because- this is the nurse's house. He says, and it's like all the nurses at this facility live in the same house. And Patrick Stewart actually sounds like himself, not like Eric pretending to be Patrick Stewart, which I know can be very confusing because they're exactly identical. I know it's like having him right here. Isn't I know it? it's it's <laughs> not at all like that. But um, yes, so Number they one. so they they pull a switcheroo because he describes this very specific mental patient. How he knows this description of the mental patient remains a mystery. No, we have no idea. Um, I think maybe it's inferred that because the space vampire is in Patrick Stewart's brain, it's a spoiler for a minute from now when we explain that, uh, that maybe she has access to the patient, like identities, because they're his memories. This is a situation where we don't, we're already thinking about it too much. Yeah. Way too much. Well, and then there's a nurse who has many syringes of hypno juice around yes he's like he's like he's like well here you go here's your one what is it's an opioid uh barbiturate yeah yeah i think it exactly think it was that it was uh, so it's supposed to knock him out and also make him like thiopental and and morphine or something like that yeah something like that and (laughs) carlson's like i need more syringes of this and the guy's like one is going to put somebody out for several hours and he's like no space vampires need way more I want three more syringes of this shit. So, but they go into this this guy's room with the the birthmark on his face, and then Steve Railsback spins around and sticks it in uh, Patrick Stewart's neck because he knows that the vampire's really in Patrick Stewart. Yep, and then they cart cart Patrick Stewart into a room that was stunning. I'm sorry to like stop talking about the movie for a second, but like. They bring him into this office space, which it was obviously 100% some sort of a location that they were shooting at for the psychic hospital. There were a lot of kind of cool locations. There were some pretty good locations, but this one was the best. It had this like beautiful jade colored uh, uh, tile tiles on the wall. Right. And and I mean, the thing is, is this is probably the best scene in the meet for a number of reasons, but... It did, it did sort of take Eric and I aback because we were like, well, would you look at that room? That like room Everybody's is really talking not, like all of this, bu- all you of know, this bullshit. bullshit. And like Eric and I are like, those tiles are so amazing. Oh God, like, like look at jade. It's like along the, the ceiling and then it's, it's like, like a, a chair de- rail. There's like yeah. details like all over these oh, walls. It's that beautiful. Are just, it's just so nice. And it's, it's like some antique office in an antique building. And somewhere. it's like an octagonal room too. Which oh was, yeah, it is. Which was like a skylight up at the top or something. It had to have been like at the top of like a tower or something. Yeah, it was really neat. It was really cool. And they like that kind of shit in England. It's I know. It's hard to find that here. But like it, it really took me out of the movie for a little bit because I was like, that is just like the coolest room ever. Anyway, so. Yeah. We're not be- going to stay here long. So the best scene of the movie, in my opinion, is this scene, which is Patrick Stewart has been drugged and they continue to drug him. They're just stabbing more needles into him with more drugs. And Carlson starts in he has on, to do like a mind meld, right? Right. He's doing a, staring in his sleepy face. So he's doing a mind meld, and he's asking the the soon to be corpse of Patrick Stewart because of all of the drugs in his system a number of questions, and Patrick Stewart, drugged out Patrick Stewart, starts answering him. But because the space vampire is also inside of him, Space Girl's there. We are getting like this sort of dual uh, view of of 
what everybody else sees, which is Patrick Stewart saying the answers to the questions, but then what Carlson sees, which is Space Girl, and then the the audio tracks kind of like overlap one another, and then they add some audio effects to it, so it's like spoopy, and then the overwhelming allure of Space Girl and Carlson says, "Kiss me," or she says, "Use my body." Yes, yeah, something, so, like something that. along those lines. Uh, like the overwhelming sexuality of this being pulls Carlson in, and he starts kissing Space Girl. Except it's not Space Girl; it's Patrick Stewart, and they are they are kissing. They are yeah, they just, committed to kissing, and I applaud both of those men for a, a far more believable and sexy kiss than any of the Space Girl kisses in this I entire I guarantee movie. you, at the time this movie came out, oh, I guarantee very risque. you that that was a bigger shock than seeing a young woman walk around totally nude. I'm sure, I mean, I look, mean that is something you did not see in movies at that time. No, and they linger on it, too. Which oh, they is, do. And I was, <laughs> I, really I was like, I was like... Because I was, I couldn't remember if this had happened or not because I had passed out during yeah. B-Fest, but I was sort of like, I really hope they kiss. And I have to believe that even in 1985, if you were watching this in the movie theater, especially after the first hour's worth of just like, we are white men talking about space around well, we're tables. Like, we're like this Dracula story that we're kind of into. Okay, well, Dracula's now loose in London. What are we going to do? Now we're, op- now we're doing Sexy this. Sexy times with this balding man and this sweaty other man steve railsback sweats a lot there's a lot of sweat in the movie if there's one critique that i could give it's i understand that they were trying to make like all of the men seem like very flushed like flustered and so they made them very sweaty because we're trying to resist the space vampires I don't like seeing sweaty people in movies, unless they're like in a jungle or something. I think if they had made the guys behave in a more conventionally horny way, they would have been getting closer to that X rating. I think that's well, part also, of the reason why it you see been... them turned on by her. They don't start disrobing. They don't start reaching out and grabbing for her. They just develop sweat. If they had made the men like, like physically acting as if they were horny, it would have made this into a comedy. That's my take on it. It's it, whatever it was, the the shorthand for it was like sweat on the face. I guess, but it's gross and I don't like it. Yeah. I can just, I'm just saying that. It's anyway. like an anime when someone's turned on sometimes, get a bloody nose. Sure. You got to know that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he's got a bloody nose. That means he's on. Yes. Okay, I'm sure. I, he's, he's turned on. He's got sweat all over his face. So 18 minutes of movie have passed. Patrick Stewart is no longer in this film and it's disappointing. Bon Things happen. I mean, more brain things happen. And we they like get on a helicopter and then they hear it's like for the last two days, London has been on fire. (laughs) Right now. It's like, how did they not know this? The only thing that we really discover between Patrick Stewart uh, having his first on screen kiss and London exploding into mayhem and apparently zombies because I mean, I felt like we were in a zombie yeah, movie we're, at that it's point. It's zombie apocalypse. It's, yeah, it's zombie apocalypse. Yeah. But but in in between those two points, we have uh, it's like twenty eight days later, or, or you know, any kind of a zombie movie yeah. in London. And then there's like a jillion people in the streets. Yeah. But the thing that we find out is that Steve Railsback kind of lied when he did his first flashback, where he was like, "We brought these people on board, <laughs> and true. then I had to do all this stuff because I'm such a, a really stellar dude." But no, the secret we find out is that he went and fucked around and found out what happens when you get with a space vampire. 
So he was the one who actually started all of these problems on the ship because he's the one who started making out with the naked space lady. And That's now why the he's, tapes were erased. Right. And now he's tremendously in love with her. So, you know, much so that like only Bella and Edward from Twilight can oh, they've really... they've got pieces of each other's soul right they do, now. Well, yeah. they're life force. We're not talking about oh, souls. Yeah. We don't talk well, about souls. Well, they do actually sort say of. souls. And there's like, those are... Those things go, the blue laser going up into space, those are human souls. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, so that's the one tidbit we find out, is that he fucked around and found out it's all Carlson's fault. All of it is Carl's. It would have been somebody else's fault. He's been a very naughty boy. Yes, he's been naughty. Uh, so now the, the, the zombie apocalypse breaks out and Eric can continue describing that. I just well, wanted I mean, to make sure that we knew the lie. Yeah, no, the lie is very important. The zombie apocalypse is just a zombie apocalypse, but there's a central element to it. One of the two twink guys is still around. Like One of them died in a scene off camera. Off, off camera. Off camera. Oh, you know, you know, because it's important how he dies because he has to be killed by a magic sword yes. stuck into his abdomen below, like three inches below the heart into the energy center of it's, the being. It's very clear that the actor. The, fa- the thanatologist has like a, a magic sword in his office. Well, no, it, he, it has to be leaded iron. Yes. He, yeah. he had a theory based on vampire stories from Earth, like dracula that if he got this magic and not magic it's just leaded iron if he had this leaded iron object the sword that maybe that would do something to them so he i guess orders it from the archives over at the british museum who the fuck knows i don't understand it and it's like oh this is how traditional vampires what traditional vampire have you ever heard of that is can only be killed by a leaded iron object. It's always a wooden stake. There's or prob- some sort of a stake. There's and probably some story somewhere that they were like, oh, let's use this one. But <sighs> but yeah, traditionally. And it's- what happened to the mummies? I thought when they attacked, they sucked the energy, the life force out of people, and then they turned into mummies. Now yeah. they're turned now they're turned into zombies. zombies. Well, Eric, like wild active zombies. You should have been so bored with the first act and the second act of this. You just forgot all of those. It's not important, even yeah. though they make it very important well it's so it's kind of like a pandemic though it's it's like a, a logarithmic expansion of how many people are infected it's kind of like what happens to salem's lot like mm-hmm. like one attacks another two and those two attack two more and then it's like pretty a, soon you've got a million people it's like a disease it is it is but they're col- somehow they're collecting souls and shooting them through matilda may's body somehow because her her spirit went back to her body yes. or whatever and uh, she wants uh, Carlson to go to her so that she can reclaim part of the soul uh, that she gave to him. Is, yes. Am I right about that? Yes. She wants her life force back. And and the idea, though, is that if Carlson can kill her... The, oh, see, the thing is, is that the, the, the energy, the life force is getting channeled through her up into space, into the spacecraft that looks like an artichoke but doesn't, that's hovering over London right now. At this point, it looks like a space penis. Well, it's got that weird umbrella that's folded out. It's like a big flesh umbrella. So make of that what you will. Mm. Uh, And and so, look, the first time I saw this movie, it was in the middle of the night. And I I had, by this time, I had no idea what's going on. You had space madness. I had space madness. By the time we got to the middle of the movie, my brain just checked out. It's like, I can't, I have no idea what's going on anymore. And things like new characters just keep popping up and mm. things keep happening. And it turns out that the than- uh, thanatologist is a bad guy. And, you, you know, and then the second time I watched it, I watched it with Hagen and I was 
paying much closer attention, but I still had questions. And then I watched it a third time, and I think I've almost caught up to what they're trying to do. You know, uh, I watched this movie once, and that is the number of times I will watch this movie. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it's kind of entertaining in a weird way to try and figure out what's happening, but I don't think I'd recommend it for general audiences. No, it's it's, it's boring. It's too bizarre. It's just boring. It's got I think so many things happening in it, yet it's boring. There's a lot of things, and it's boring. I, I mean, I think the main thing to take away from this film is it's like it had a lot of resources and good ingredients in it. It had skilled and talented actors. It had a director who had helmed very successful movies prior to this. It had the backing of a major film studio. Studio? I guess they're... Golan Globus was yeah, a, thing a film starting group. out. Yeah, yeah, they had some money and they wanted the big hit. You well, know? And this wasn't even them starting out. This was like, I think this was the beginning of prime Golan Globus time. So it had everything that you could possibly need to make a decent film. And yeah, it's like you make if you're making banana bread, right? What goes in banana bread? Bananas, eggs, flour, not. But if you want, you could put chocolate chips in there. That would make good. And maybe some walnuts. But then, like, maybe, uh, maybe you could put some dried cherries in there. And then maybe you could put some, uh, uh, maybe you could put some peanuts in there to go with the chocolate. The chocolate and the peanuts go together. And, like, well, maybe uh, maybe we could also throw in some uh, some uh, grapes. You know, that might go with the, in, and like, pineapple chunks. We'll put those in there. And you bake it, and then you've got this mess, Right. That's that's it's sort of like that. It's like they kept throwing stuff into this thing, like to stuff it full of everything that they had. Thanks for listening to Cinema Super Collider. You can find us online at anchor.fm, but you can also subscribe to our podcast via any of the major podcast networks, including the Apple Store, Spotify, and others. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at cinemasupercast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you again in the future. Yeah.